name is Todd Adams. This is Kathy Adams. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 171. What's Zen Parenting Radio, you ask? Zen Parenting Radio is a discussion between a spiritual and emotional mom, that's you, sweetie, mm-hmm. and a logical and practical dad, that's me. Um, we have three daughters, ages 11, 9, and 6, and our goal is to give you the resources to become a better parent, but more importantly, become a better you. And always remember that the best predictor of a child's well-being is what, sweetie? Apparent self-understanding. Very good. So one of the resources we're going to give to our audience is that we are doing a retreat, a Mother's Day retreat. Woo. And this is our first official discussion on what this is all about. <laughs> Todd and I just started talking about it this morning. We wanted to call it the Life is Good Retreat. But we, that is a trademarked name, We Life can't is do good. that. So we're not going to call it the Life is Good Retreat for Mother's Day. What are we going to call it? The Life is Really Good <laughs> Retreat. Or the life is fantastically good. Or we could say, you know what? Life is good. You know what? Just be cool, man. So, and we're coming up with the right title. It's a Mother's Day retreat, the week of Mother's Day. Let me tell you about it. Mother's Day is on May 11th. Okay. That's a Sunday. And we have a perfect gift idea for you to give the wives and the moms in your world uh, a wonderful Mother's Day present. So this retreat is going to start on Monday, May 5th, Mm -hmm. and go through uh, Friday, May 9th. Yes. Um, so, uh, and, but the deal is if you, uh, give it to somebody that whoever you give it to can invite a friend for free, it's a really, no, you, if you get it for yourself, then you can give it to somebody. I'm thinking of the husbands. Oh. Giving it to their wives. Okay. But yeah. But if, the, if you're a mom and you want to do this, sign yourself up sure. and then you can get your give best it. friend or your mom or your grandma or whatever. But yeah, you're right. Like if you bought it for someone, if you bought it for your wife, I would email your wife and say, would you like anybody to join you on this for free? And just so you guys know, because Todd's jumping in with the retreat, it's a virtual retreat. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to show up anywhere. Um, it's all done through email and podcasts. Todd and I send you an email every day. Um, we do a podcast every day. And we have a Facebook page that people interact on every day. Joy and inspiration through daily podcasts, videos, Facebooks, emails, exercises to inspire all from the comfort of your own home. Did you write something? I wrote it last night (laughs) while I was uh, watching uh, the Masters. Bubba Watson. Congratulations, Bubba Watson. And he hugged his son and cried on TV. I enjoyed that. Nice job. Because that's really how it feels. And when you pretend that you're too cool... For school, then I don't and like that. And if you're too school cool for cool, so and what's the name of that song? Um, that is raise, raise your, your glass. glass. Um, so anyway, virtual retreat. We've done what seven or eight of them now. They're so fun, and they're very good at getting yourself focused on what's really important, helping you feel the good. Is there going to be any pink in this retreat? There might, because we put music in the retreat, like songs to listen to that day. We give you movie clips. It's just a way to, because here's the thing, what you focus on grows. What you pay attention to is what you experience. So what these virtual retreats are about, are about shifting or hopefully, for those of you who already kind of focus on life this way, reinforcing the things that you feel and see and believe. You can't deny that things can be painful sometimes. There are some challenges in the world. There are things that are ugly to look at. But there are just as many, if not more, I would say more. Mm-hmm. The light is winning. Right. Rust coal. Um, I would say there is a lot more 
beautiful things happening all the time that we are missing because we are in our head and stuck in fear. So that's what the retreats are for, to open our eyes. What you focus on grows. But first, let's talk about what we're talking about on the show today because there might be somebody new saying, what are these two people talking about? We're talking about the three Ps today. And what the three Ps are... Product, pricing, and performance. (laughs) No, that's in your salesman world. That's marketing, Um, The three Ps are if you find yourself being pessimistic... Or if you find yourself looking for reasons to partake in some kind of numbness activity, Mm. what I mean by that is it could be something that is more extreme, meaning like an addiction that you have or that you struggle with, or it could be just something that you, you wouldn't necessarily call it an addiction, but it's your fallback mode. Right. Maybe it's, I need to go get something to eat because this is happening, or I need to go have a cigarette because I'm feeling stressed, or um, I need to gossip with someone because I can't stand the way this feels. The three Ps are they tend to be kind of a, a way of explaining what's happening in your mind. And then, um, and obviously I did not come up with the three Ps. The three Ps are known in the world of addiction and they're also known in the really? world of pessimism. I, yeah. I've never even heard of them. Well, and they're, they're maybe not as common. What as, are the three Ps? Well, do you want me to, do you, do you want me to do them all at once or do you want to go over them one by one? Well, we're going to do it one by one, but let's just do an overview. Okay. The, the first P is, is personal. Permanent, permanent and, and pervasive. pervasive. So this is the way people think. Now, what we're going to add at the tail end is a different way of looking at things. So we're not just going to throw these three Ps at you and say, if you think this way, this is bad. We're going to say, um, here's a different way to shift your focus, a little bit like what the retreat would be so about. So the three Ps, this is maybe just for healthier living. Is that what we're talking about? I think the three Ps are for understanding your mind. I, they're for understanding, becoming more aware aware of the way you're thinking. It really is a mindfulness activity. Your inner roommate? Yeah. It's to notice what's going on instead of being so accepting of your thoughts. And the reason that um, I thought it'd be good to talk about today is Todd and I, you know, for those of you who listen a lot know, we work with fifth grade girls and we have a group that we've been working with for over a year. They've graduated from BU Girls Club to BU Leaders. And tomorrow night, we're having a drug talk with them. Mm -hmm. Not about, they've already had DARE, so they know what drugs are. Um, But we're having a talk with them about why people would choose drugs, because it's a piece that we tend to forget when we talk to kids. It's one thing to say, say, drugs are bad, don't do them, here's what they can do to your body. But here's the thing that kids have. They have this lack, they, they, they don't have that mortality thing going on yet. Right. They don't think, oh, yeah, that could hurt my lungs. Mm -hmm. I won't do it because they – what is that word where they just don't feel that – they don't feel like anything can touch them. Yes, they're untouchable. And so what I want to do is help them understand how – why would a person pick up drugs Mm -hmm. if they're oh so bad? Mm -hmm. It's because one of the ways that we can help help understand is through these three Ps. Okay. So that's why I wanted to talk about it on the show because we're going to be talking about with them tomorrow night. Gotcha. So this could – this is a good communication for both uh, parents of – sons and daughters, and then also for themselves for in, yourself, their, in their own life. For your own thinking. So this is my favorite kind of show because you basically came up with this idea and uh-huh. I just have to kind of sit there and talk. <laughs> and, and It's all add, on you. Add your beauty to it. Oh, yeah. So the first one, um, the first issue is um, the first P. The problem is personal. So say you're struggling with something. Something happened. Um, For a kid, it would be I did poorly on a test um, or this person doesn't like me. For an adult, it would be, you know, I can't seem, I don't feel like things are going my way or someone didn't look at me and wave. You know, those things we get upset about. You think it's all about you. Mm. There is something wrong with you innately. What is wrong with me? And it's who I am and it's, you know, I, I, it's unchangeable and um, you, you take it as a personal slight. Right. And what we have 
talked about a lot on this show is that, you know, for example, you're you're talking with a group of women and you think that a woman kind of looks at you funny or this could be a group of kids. Mm. You think another kid looks at you funny and then you think, wow, why are they looking at me? What's wrong with me? What, is my hair something wrong or my clothes wrong? And why are they doing that? And they're jerks and, oh, they're making me feel bad. And you come up with this whole story in your head when they may have had something in your in their eye and they weren't even looking at you. Right. It's storytelling. Right. There is something wrong with me, the way that I look, the way that I act, the, the person I am. And so instead of having and i'm going to i'm going to follow up each with a different way of viewing it gotcha so this is the bad part and you're going to come up with a good part so the first p is it's personal the good part is we have to the thing that we can work on is more self awareness mm-hmm. having an understanding of yeah we make mistakes sure we didn't do well on this test but there are just like we were saying about the world there's just as many great things about me as there are challenging things right. that yeah i struggle like you guys you want to know what i did yesterday I dumped our fish down the drain. Oops. And I felt awful. And now here's the good part of it. My husband, oh man, it was brutal. So here's what happened. I was cleaning the fish's bowl and I have to throw this in because it just, I'm doing this to make myself feel better. I'm the only one who cleans that fish's bowl. Have you ever cleaned that fish's bowl? I may have once. Okay. We've had them two years. Yeah. Okay. So thanks. So I'm... I average once every two years. So I was kind of, I was, I had a bunch of kids at my house yesterday and I was talking with them and I'm like, oh, I have to clean Goldie's bowl. Goldie, original. Um, Goldie the goldfish. And I love Goldie. So I'm cleaning his bowl, cleaning his bowl. And then I get it all perfect and I look in the cup and he's not in it and there's water in it. So my first thought was, oh my God, you guys, Goldie jumped out and there's three kids around me. So I'm thinking, how did they not see that? So we're looking all over the floor. We're looking all, you know, I'm looking in the cabinet and then all of a sudden I look at Wait a second. You were looking in the cabinet. Well, I couldn't find him on the floor, so I thought he fell in between the cabinet. Oh, I was going to say, I thought maybe Goldie opened up the cabinet and <laughs> just decided to eat some of our cereal. No. So I was like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden I looked over at the sink and that's when you came in. I said, Todd, I can't find the fish. And you looked at the sink and he's like, I'm, you're like, he's not in there. And I'm thinking, how could he be in there? So the sink is, uh, it was on the side of the garbage disposal. So it's kind of like an empty hole there. I mean, right. it's got the rubberized things to kind of prevent... Big pieces of food getting in there, but you can't you can, really see down there. You very can't really well. see down there. So I took a good look inside, and he wasn't in there. And I'm just thinking to myself, the cup still has water, so of course I didn't dump it out. Like I couldn't. The it was like I had brain issues, where I'm like, how could this have occurred? You had mom brain. I did, and so the long story short, Todd finally put his hand down where the garbage disposal is. Dangerous. Well, I know. Scooped him up. I and, felt him. He slithered out, and then I got him again, and put him in the water, and he totally rallied. I mean, he was sideways for a minute yeah. and then he rallied and I'm, I'm thinking I dumped him. Now here's the problem with that. The reason that bothered me the most is I was not conscious Mm -hmm. of doing it. It's like the story I told you guys about how the time I forgot to pick up Skylar from kindergarten. And it's like, I didn't even know that I had forgotten. Right. I needed, I came home at 1215. You're supposed to pick her up at 12, let's say. And I said, I have Skylar. And that was the first occurrence. I was, and I had even looked at the clock and thought, oh, it's 1115. Todd will be home soon. I had, and those are the most bothersome ones. That was the, that was the biggest component. Not the fact that you had an oversight, but the fact that 20 minutes passed and you and still I didn't hadn't know. had it. Because it's one thing to be late yeah. or to be like, oh, I forgot. I got to get back on that. But I wasn't even conscious of it. And then this was the same thing where I must have been so engaged in what I was doing and talking to these kids that I just did a quick – and we had dishes all over the place. So I was probably just pouring stuff out. Poor fish. Yeah. So – not only did I traumatize my children for that three minutes, I mean, it was pretty quickly resolved, but it was still pretty intense for three minutes, but I felt 
awful. And Goldie probably was outside of water for how long? You think maybe a minute and a half, two minutes at least. At least, because we were we were scouring the floor. We've had this goldfish for how long now? Mm. 15, 16 Two years. Months. Oh, is it really? Isn't it? I think it's been like a year and a half. Okay. So this guy's a survivor because most goldfish don't last the weekend as far as I can tell. After we got him back in the water, I watched him for like a good, you know, I'd keep going back and watching him to make sure his gills were okay. Because, you know, him, you grabbing him yeah. and just there's so traumatic. many things, It's traumatic to his body and they're so fragile. Mm-hmm. And to have anyone touch them, it yeah. just was so traumatizing to my system. And my middle daughters, because she and I share that. Yeah, she bailed. She bailed. She's like, I, and she kept saying, mom, I can't get it out of my head. And we had to, she and I had to process through it together. How did you help her process it? I told her to go write about it. I told her to write Goldie a note and say how thankful she was that he was back and what a good job he did by hanging tough. In so the, the non-self-aware parent may have said, the fish is fine. What are you worried about? Yeah. Or it's just a fish. Right. And instead you did what you ought to do, which is be compassionate and give her some tools of how she can cope with it. Well, because I need them too. Like, you know, the thing we say on the show or, you know, parents, the predictor of a child's success is a parent's self-understanding. I felt yuck too. And so I had to figure out how to process through it. The first thing I have to do is say, I did this. If we would have lost Goldie, what would have been more traumatic, losing Goldie or the time that you ran over that squirrel? They would have been in the same uh, place. Anything. Kathy li- ran over a squirrel and she was very sad. For like two weeks, I struggled. And you were like, in the moment, you were like, really, really, really sad. <laughs> and I was like, you know, these squirrels die all the time because they they don't look both ways. It's completely a blow to my inner mm-hmm. work. I cannot, I literally, like, even thinking about it, I feel like I'm going to vomit. I cannot tolerate it internally. It's a... Um, I'm so blessed with my detachment. Well, you know, and I think about this, and I know I can be more extreme and more sensitive, but I think about people who train in the military and then have to go to war. Mm-hmm. And they're doing those things for our country, and it's not about right or wrong. It's mm-hmm. not what I'm saying. But when they come home... Mm-hmm. And they have to process that. What do they do with that? I just don't, my legs are tingling right now thinking about it. I, you know, no wonder PTSD and no wonder the suicide rate for the military is so high. And, right. you know, anyway, we're talking about a fish and I'm going to the military. to the military. That's a stretch. But what I'm, my point is, is that getting back to the personal thing, like there's something wrong with me. I'm right. a bad person. That wasn't intentional. I love that fish. I made a mistake. I admitted to it. I had to had to have some practice of self-compassion and I had to help the people around me by allowing them to say what they needed to say. You know? um, one resource I have that I yeah. just wrote down, uh-huh. our, our friend Don Miguel Ruiz. Uh-huh, the Four Agreements. What's one of his agreements? Don't think, don't take things personally, right? Don't take right? things personally, yeah. So that's one of those killer books that's like Deserted Island. That's one of my oh, yeah. top ones because- It works everywhere. It works. In every aspect universal. of your life. The name of the book is called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz and Don it's Miguel awesome. Ruiz. So, so let's go to number, number one two. is personal. Number two, the problem is permanent. It's something that is unchanging. Um, it's something that will never change. This is the way things are. You know, there is no way I can get away from this if it be something about me that's permanent or a situation. You know, the school is this way. It will never change. My teacher is this way. They will never change. Or I am this way. It'll never change. The idea of permanency makes us, if it's about something negative, is makes us pessimistic. Right. And that's what I hear people say all the time. That's it's, the way the world is. You can't change it. Right. Permanent. You know, can you think of any examples in your own life of where you kind of succumb to this idea of permanence? 
Like it's never going to get better or, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel like that's the first place we go. Mm. Like the first thing I think of is um, grieving. Mm. If it be, uh, you know, something like my experience yesterday, that was a shorter lived grief, but, or something like you lose somebody um, or somebody's sick. Um, and your first thought is this isn't going to change. Right. I, I actually said how when my dad was sick so many years ago, I remember saying to my mom in the car, um, after we we had gotten some bad news from the doctor, and we got in the car, and I remember start I started crying, and I said, "We are never going to be happy again." Mm. It was a sense of permanency, like right. this. The way I feel now is forever, right? And, and to know it's not. Well, one thing I was going to say is, um, it's the awareness to know that everything that is bad can turn good, and 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 conversely, when you're in a good place, you're not always going to be in this joyous. No good place either. That's why you got to appreciate it and right. be in it. Like the lean into joy idea, not because you have to scoop it all up and be fearful it's going to leave, but everything changes and evolves. So if you're in joy, take it. Right. Don't think you have to suffer for it. Don't think that it's just a fluke and I'm not going to enjoy it because just in case it gets taken away, of course it's going to evolve. Right. But like lean into it, enjoy the feeling of it. And the, you know, again, the other thing about permanent, by the way, what my mom said to me was, of course we are. You know, so she was able to say to me when I said, we're never going to be happy she was again. Your rock. She was like, of course we are, yeah. but we have to deal with this. And you need people to say things like that to you where they can give clarity because I'm telling you, even with all the reading and training and professional and personal work I've done, when I'm grieving, it's hard to see yeah. a light. It's hard to see through it. You, It really is. It's hard to it's hard to be like, yeah, I'm sad today, but tomorrow I'll be fine. You can't, that's not the way it well, feels. Well, and you're talking about like losing loved ones or sick. You know, I always go back to money. Like, you know, say that you're something, you lose your job. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be so deep as losing a loved one. You lose your job and you're like, I'm never going to get another job. Right. And how you know, when that happens, it does not serve you to, to have that feeling. So what do you do to get out of it? That's my question. Well, that's the thing about our next thing is about being connected to people and having a place of belonging and people that you can trust and rely on to have your back. You have to have a sense of, you have to be able to reach out Mm -hmm. because when we're feeling like things are permanent, the thinking that created the problem cannot solve that problem. That's a Einstein quote, you know, paraphrased is you can't in your own brain process through it, especially in that moment of despair. Mm -hmm. So you need other people. It's like reaching out your hands so someone else can pull you up. Right. And it's asking for help. And sometimes it's just things like, you know, for addicts who um, go to AA meetings, when I'm feeling like I'm going to drink, mm-hmm. I need I need a meeting. Right. Um, you know, for somebody, for a kid who is really struggling and is afraid to be able to have the connection with their parents to come in and say, I'm afraid, or can I talk to you about something? Right. That's why that communication is so important. Um, it to not, when your kids are talking to you, to not be so judgmental and to allow them to talk and, and be a good listener. Because yeah. if you don't do that- Practice your listening. Then they won't come to you. Right. Um, and you know, a little tip that Todd and I always give is if you feel like you're still working on that communication with your kid, give your kids some other people they can go to. Right. Because if they are in fear, if they're feeling like something is permanent, because really, isn't that what, I mean, I'll take it to another extreme, isn't that what suicide is? This is never going to change. Loss of hope. Loss of hope, despair, clinical depression, you know, where you're in that place of there, I cannot get out of this. And the only way or one of the most effective ways, because I'm sure people have had other experiences, is reaching out and saying, I am lost. The, and, you know, that that's not easy to do, but that's a big part of BU for Todd and I is that sense of uh, society, of 
connectedness with other people, having a place where you belong, um, having great communication with loved ones, and understanding that you are an integral piece. Is that a word? Integral? Yeah, integral. Integral piece of our society. We absolutely need you. You are a piece of the puzzle that we need, and other people are willing to help you out to make things fit back together again. It reminds me when you talked about hope. Uh, yeah. Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. You know what Andy Dufresne says? I do, but you can say it. I think he says, hope is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe the best of things. Absolutely. And then he says some other stuff that's really good. And what I love about that scene with Andy is his friends don't understand what he's talking about because what they have decided, they've given into their three Ps. Mm-hmm. This is about me. This is permanent. This is pervasive. Why have hope? It, it, it's just going to disappoint you. And what Andy's saying is when you feel like there's no other way, find a crack. And what he did in the midst of his uh, isolation, what is that called? The hole where they put him oh, in the yeah. hole? Solitary confinement. I don't know what they call it, but that's what it is. Yeah, maybe it's called the hole. And he went inside of his own self and listened to that music that mm-hmm. he played. Yeah. Because that's why he went into the hole, right? Yep. He played that music. He integrated that. And the whole time he was in the hole, he stayed inside himself. And that's a tool. You know, that is a way to, and when I say inside of yourself, he went to the hopeful, loving place that lives inside all of us. That's what hope is. Well, what's cool about that scene is, um, you know, he just gets out of the hole and he sees all his his fellow inmates and he said he had Mr. Mozart to keep him company. Exactly. And they're like, they let you play music in there? And he's like, no, it was inside. It was inside. He's like, that's what's great about music is... They can't get to that. That's right. I can always hit Andy Dufresne. He's such a amazing protagonist in and any you, movie. You know what that reminds me of is the books like Victor Frankl's book um, about Man, the Holocaust. Man's Search for Meaning. It was the same thing. The whole thing that he took away from that or his what he was trying to explain to us through his experiences, they can harm my body. They can you know take away this and that, but they can't take away what lives inside of right. me. Nobody can get that. And when a Holocaust survivor... Uh, can forgive and understand that and have that place of love that remains, I think we can all pull from that in our day-to-day experiences because that's a pretty extreme level of forgiveness. Um, So the next one. So what's number three? Pervasive. Because after this, we're going to talk about a listener's question. Which okay. is really good. The problem is pervasive. It's spread throughout. It's everywhere. Not only is it permanent, but everybody's experiencing this. Mm. This one is the world is bad. The world is going to hell. Everything is falling apart. Why bother? Right. So that when people say that to me, and again, a lot of times when we are in despair or grief, we do say those things. Right. Everything is bad. It's pervasive. It's not only do I feel bad, but everybody else feels bad. The world is bad. But... You understand how these three P's, thinking it's about you, thinking that it's not going to change, and thinking that it's everywhere will either lead you to a drink, lead you to depression, lead you to pessimism. You have to have an ability to shift out of that. And my – to connect to pervasive is to be awake. Mm -hmm. You know, See what's around you. Notice your thoughts because the truth is is if I am looking for negative things, I'm going to see them. Right. I'm going to see them everywhere. If I am looking for loving things, I will see them everywhere. I'm trying to think of what they say. What, like I've seen articles where the things that you never want to say to somebody who's depressed. Okay. And I don't remember many of them, but it was something like the worst thing you could say to them is, oh, you're just going through it. Everything is going to be fine. Okay. Or things are, you know, things will get better. Don't worry about it. Um, and really what you want to do when anybody's in that place 
is, you know, to your point, reach your hand out and say, yes. I hear you. Yes. I feel you. And, and I'm here for you. Right. So anyways. you don't need to tell them how to feel. Right. You need to let them know they're not alone. Right. And really, that's the definition of empathy. Which you is know, kind of counterintuitive because you just want to like fix it and you want to tell them everything's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. And it makes them sink into a deeper depression. Because they can't even touch that. Yeah, they're they're not like, there. you and I um, just went through this last week. I had a pretty, I had a lot of things that happened all at once and I felt overwhelmed and so this was, I think, on Thursday. So I needed to... Yeah, I just got home from my road trip. Yeah, and I needed to cry, which, you know, I know is usually coming. It's, it comes up first as fear and, and anger. And then I'm like, oh, boy, I'm, I need to cry. So, of course, you know, I came in and Todd knows what's about to happen. So he's listening and being a good listener as always. And I'm just saying all these things that you... as I If I were to say them now, they would make me laugh. Mm-hmm. But they are things I think. Right. You know, I'm not good enough. I'm not... I'm, I'm, I disappointed myself. I'm not worthy of this. All those scary thoughts that come up. And I'm saying all these things and, and, and Todd, again, was a wonderful listener. But one thing he said back to me was, well, you know, look at this and, and you did this. So why are you saying this? And I looked at him, I said, you don't need to give me, I said, you know, what I'm saying is not really who I am. What you need to say is you've felt this before. And that's all people want is you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Don't try and talk me out of it. Right. You're not alone. And, and my intention was good. I wanted you to see all the good things that you do right. and to see all the wonderful people that are affected by the work that we do. Right. Um, because you were in a place of lack in that moment. Right. And I was trying to fix, and that was not the best course of action. I sh- in that moment, in and that there's moment. no perfect way to do it. Right. Like, there's, you know, Todd will sometimes say, well, how do I do this and what do I say next? I, you know, that's, mm. it's not, it's not a thing that you write on a chalkboard, right. say, do A, B, and C. But, you know, for those of you who have seen, you know, who know Brene Brown's work or have seen the empathy video, um, and we'll post it again if you haven't, but don't do yeah buts to people. Don't, when someone's saying, you know, I'm struggling, don't say, well, yeah, but, you know, at least you have this. Mm -hmm. You know, anytime you're saying to someone, at least this happened or at least you did this well, then you're not hearing what's hurting them in the moment. You're trying to skip over it. The way that Brene Brown says it is you're trying to put a silver lining around something before it's it it can be there. Yeah, you kind of have to let it kind of just get, come out yeah. and hug them and say I'm here for you. I've got your back. This is and this is for your 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 uh, spouse, your partner. This is for your children. Right. You know, I um I have so many parents say to me things like, "Oh, my, you know, my daughter came home. She was so upset cuz a friend was mean to her and I told her not to worry about it. She's going to have plenty of friends in college and right. she doesn't need to worry about it." Oh my gosh. That doesn't help them. They don't know what college even that that's so far away. Right. And what they need to hear is, I am so sorry you're dealing with that, or I've dealt with that before, or it's painful, isn't it? You know, they need empathy. And that, so for all three of these P's, empathy is really valuable. Right. So again, pervasive, spread throughout that whole idea that you think it's everywhere, mindfulness. You need to be able to see beyond that, because like I said, if your focus is negativity, that you will find it. You will mm-hmm. find negativity. You know, the the story that Todd and I told, the research they did about people, they had them walk down the street, pessimists and optimists. Um, and, you know, again, how they decided who was who, I, I don't know. But the quote unquote pessimists who walked down the street um, just walked straight forward and got to where they're going and didn't see anything. The optimist who walked down the street saw money mm-hmm. everywhere. The pessimist had totally missed it. They had the, the blinders on. They had the blinders on, literally. Yeah. Um, so, so just, you know, again... Personal, permanent, pervasive, 
And these are the things that we're going to talk to the girls about tomorrow night around why people take drugs. Why would a young kid with their life in front of them take drugs? Because they feel something's innately wrong with them, personal, because they think something is unchanging about themselves or the world, permanent, and because they think that it's everywhere, so why bother, Mm -hmm. pervasive. So if the kids can at least have a viewpoint of that, it can help them see that it's not just about knowing drugs will hurt your body. It's about your thinking. That's it. Nice job, sweetie. Thank you. So our first partner is Tree of Life Chiropractic Care. They, uh, Dr. Kelly, adjusts us on a weekly basis. If you listen to the show, you have heard us talk about it quite a bit. Um, so the phone number for Tree of Life is 630-941-8733. Um, and she's got something cool on her website just to po- talking about the three reasons to avoid soft drinks. Dr. Kelly's mm-hmm. all about being healthy. She is. Um, it's a whole. It's a whole approach it's like a to wellness healthiness. Thing. Yeah. Uh, the three reasons to stop: empty calories, carbon dioxide, and phosphoric acid. Mm. I don't even know what all that stuff is, but then she goes on to explain why. So um, that's just you know yet another resource that Dr. Kelly kind of helps us out with. Yeah. We stopped drinking pop. We did. Every once in a while, I'll be like, mm, I'm going to have a drink yeah, of a Coke. average about once every few weeks. Yeah, and we'll usually get it, and mm-hmm. then you and I will kind of share it and be like, that's that's enough. Yeah. Because it's like so strong, yeah, the sugar. But great. I still, there's a little part of me that will always love Coke. It's all about balance. So I just try to not drink it. So chirotree.com, 630-941-8733. Now I want to talk about um, this lady who sent in a question. Okay. And I'll do my best to summarize it. Um, her name is, I don't know. Does if she want little, you to use her name? I don't know. We'll call or Betty Lou. Okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to use her name. You call everybody Betty Lou. She says, I'm struggling with my 10-year-old son. He frequently mistreats his eight-year-old brother. Okay. Verbal put-downs, uh, idiot, you can't dance, or laughing, what's wrong with your hair? Um, all said with a disdainful to- tone and regularly excluding or rejecting him. Poor little guy. Mm-hmm. His younger brother is very loving and accommodating on the infrequent occasions that my 10-year-old is generous and kind towards my eight-year-old. My eight-year-old swells with joy. Mm. Conversely and typically, he is saddened and dejected on a daily basis. Mm. Consequently, my older son has begun internalizing that he is bad, Mm -hmm. which of course I don't want. I've used shame and guilt to shake him into awareness of how hurtful and unjustified his behavior has been toward his brother, which I realize is is damaging and counterproductive. I have a good sense of where my emotional reactions are coming from, fear mostly, and I'm trying to not react as I work through believing my 10-year-old won't be forever mean Mm. or permanently damage my 8-year-old, but I haven't figured out what to do to stop the mistreatment in a healthy way. She needs strategies, phases, phrases, natural consequences. So what do you think? What do you think? You know the first thing I thought of? What? I thought of terms, terms of endearment. The older brother, what was his name? Yeah. Tommy? Yeah. And then the younger brother, what was his name? The middle kid, yeah. Yeah, he was a little cutie pie. And the older brother's always kind of mean. Yeah. And remember when she didn't have enough money and he was mad because mm-hmm. she kept taking- He was embarrassed. He was embarrassed. Mm-hmm. And then the little guy- Puts his back. Takes his back and puts it back on. The, and and the yeah. thing is, is we can say, well, Tommy was a bad kid. Middle kid was a good kid. But that wasn't it. Tommy carried the emotion of that family. Yeah. And he saw everything that was going on. He felt responsible to be a man before he was a man. Mm-hmm. His mom- Teddy. Teddy. Teddy was the middle His kid. mom wasn't that nice to him, to Tommy. If right. you remember, I mean, I love Deborah Winger and everything, but there were scenes where, you know, you understand Tommy had some feelings mm-hmm. and everything he was feeling or struggling with was not acknowledged. It was just, he was basically told he was bad all he the time. He was loyal towards Flap. He was. He need, His name was Flap. He was mad at his mom. Yeah. And be, you know why? Because he loved her mm-hmm. and he wanted 
a different right. situation. So I brought you off the train tracks. Okay. Sorry about that. Let's go back to Betty Lou's question. So here's a few thoughts that I'm having is her point is, is, is right when she said that he is 10 and he's starting to integrate that he's a bad boy or that he is bad. And those feelings, it's a chicken and the egg thing um, because obviously those feelings that he's having, that's why he's having the expression he's having towards toward his brother is because what he's feeling inside about himself, he's projecting onto other people. And the quote unquote, I'm putting this in air quotes, safest person to do that to is his brother. Right. He's he's there most of the time. There's a kind of an unconditional nature. Um, you know, he may not be doing that at school. He may be, but there's something about, I'm going to make my brother feel like crap so I can release that I feel like crap mm. or make somebody else the problem right. rather than me. If I remember correctly, because you read this to me a long time ago from this listener, there was something about the older brother was actually a really good athlete. Yeah, he's like Mr. 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 All around. Right. He's good at sports and he does all these extracurriculars and things come very easily to him. And that's, I think Big that personality. might be a mis- conception, meaning that he might be putting on a mask and putting on a show that all these things are super easy. Mm. He might be like a hamster on a wheel mm. working really hard to keep all these balls in the air. Right. And that, and, and you know, I don't know that for fact. I don't know this kid, but anytime we look at someone and say, oh, this comes easy, yet they're projecting negativity toward other people, something's going on inside where they either feel like they need to be perfect mm-hmm. and, and not drop a ball or else they won't be loved, mm-hmm. that they feel they're only valued by their external, right. that they're not valued for who they are inside. And again, this is not a blame game of mom. It's just, it's, it's having her understand what's going on in him. So what can she do? The most important thing, I mean, I think it would start with when you are going to deal with that behavior, you have to be calm. Mm -hmm. If you bring your anger and fear into that redirection, it just keeps that fire you know, again, I see it visually. He's all full of fire and negativity and throwing it at his brother. Then mom or dad comes pours in, the gasoline pours on. gasoline on it, and he gets a reason then to fight with his mom mm-hmm. or a reason to be even more angry at brother. Right. It's feeding the ego. Right. The ego gets to fight. Right. The big, the thing that shifts that is coming in with something different, which is calm and realness or reality or emotion. I was just telling, I did a retreat this weekend with a group of women. And one of the women was asking a similar question about how she was getting angry with her daughter because of something she said. And she said, and as she started to tell why, she started to tear up and cry. And I said, that's what you need to share with your daughter, not the anger and how dare you be that way. And you don't necessarily have to go into tears. It's just to say that hurt. And when I hear it calm, you know, calm tone, honey, when I hear you say those things to my brother, or to your brother, it hurts. Number one, because your brother didn't do anything to deserve that. And number two, because I love you Mm -hmm. and I know you're good. You know, I know the feelings that you're having inside and I know who you are. And when I hear those words come out of your mouth, it's it's painful because I know that's not who you are. That's a really emotional, vulnerable thing to say to our kids, meaning you've got to go there with them. But nothing, I I can't think of anything else that would be effective. Mm -hmm. And I think it would really throw them both off balance in a good way. Yeah. 
Like instead of doing the re- repetition of I'm going to yell at you, make you feel mad. Well, one thing she does and this, I, I, I think it's a good idea. It's more on the surface. Okay. My solution was to respond to a mean comment by immediately requiring my older son to write a note to my younger son with two kind things for every one unkind thing. This seems to help, but after a few months, I stopped enforcing. First of all, this woman's very honest. I, lo- I love the fact that she, she's, I stopped enforcing the consequences. Uh, it didn't feel like it was necessary. It was not working yeah, anymore. Right. Well, and I think you're right. I think she's on the right track. I, meaning- I think she has a lot of awareness and just even write this question tells me that she is on the right track. And she's saying, okay, I've reached a place. And mm-hmm. what I love about it is she's not following the three Ps. Right. She's not like, this is about me mm-hmm. and it's always going to be this way. And every kid is like this. Right. That's what a, a, a non-self-aware parent would be like. But if you are aware that, okay, I know my kids are good people and that they have hearts. Right. How do I help them open the heart? Because whenever you're being mean to someone, your heart is closed. Mm-hmm. And so that's the kind of language. I also feel like a good thing to do with her her son who is older is to spend some alone time with him. And I'm sure she's busy like we all are. And I know that's asking a lot, but taking him out on, you know, asking him what he wants to do, a date, you know, let's go to dinner, let's do something fun. Let's go to the batting cages. Mm-hmm. You know, you can do something out of the box and then say to him, I love you. And I know who you are. You know, like I know all the goodness in you. Deborah Winger at the end of the movie, when she says to Tommy, when Deborah Winger knows she's going to die, mad at you. she goes, I know that you love me yes. because he's always like mad at her. Right. And she said, don't beat yourself up right. when I'm gone right? because I know that you love me. And it's the same kind of thing. You know, let your son know that he's seen yeah. and that even though his behaviors are negative, that's not who he is. He, that's his, that's his fear and anxiety and discomfort with himself leaking out. Right. And so, and that's being leaked out toward his brother because right. it's the easiest target. Right. And so- the conversation is, what can I do to support you so you don't feel like you have to talk that way to your brother? Mm-hmm. See how it shifts rather than he's the bad guy? Right. I see you. What can I do to support you? Mm-hmm. And and that's a hard conversation to have at the kitchen counter when everybody else is yeah, there. Yeah, get him out of there. Yeah, it's a it's a lot easier to do when you when the two of you are away. You can also do this in writing. You know, I love the notebook idea. Maybe you take him out to lunch and you can't tell if it really went in, but you then, you know, you write in a notebook, tell him some things, some thoughts about him, maybe the fact that he was using a kind voice that day, and then he can write back to you. You're trying to open up communication. Right. Well, um, and a practical thing that I would suggest is, hey, when you get frustrated at your brother, because God knows younger brothers can get pretty frustrating, go punch a pillow for five minutes right. and get that out some other way. Right. Your anger is okay. Yeah. Meaning nor- it's normalized. It's normal. You know, the way that you're feeling, especially if it's about you and mm. what's going on inside, you're not alone. Mm. I feel that way sometimes. We all do. That is normal. But you don't have permission in this family to take that out on another person you love. Right. That's not what you do in a relationship. And then at the other end, she has to have a similar conversation with her younger son who's struggling with this mm. and let him know that she sees what's happening, mm. that it is not personal, that it is not about who he is. It is about he has be- become somewhat of a target, but that it's not because his older brother is a bad guy, mm. but because he's working through his own stuff. Yeah. Because I'm sure the younger brother perceives his older brother as being perfect. Mm-hmm. And so she's got to kind of crack that a little bit and say... He's, and it's not about breaking him down, the older brother. It's about humanizing him right. to the middle brother and letting him know that it's not okay and we're working on it. And if you need support from me, let me know. And I will, you know, we'll have each other's backs. Right. It's not permanent. 
Um, nice job, sweetie. I, th- I think you addressed that well. Hopefully, okay. uh, Betty Lou, you get some good ideas out of that. Yeah. Um, so now is the part of the show where I'd like to read all our new reviews on iTunes. Do we have some? Um. <laughs> so write us a review on iTunes and I'll read your name or at least your nickname on iTunes on our show. So if you listen to the show, there's a few really simple things you can do. Number one, the reason that reviews are good, it's not to boost Todd and my ego. It's because reviews are what draw people in, meaning it goes higher up in the um, in iTunes. It's easier to find. Right. So that's that's really the only thing we can do right. to increase awareness is have reviews. That's number one. Number two... We have two Facebook pages. We have Zen Parenting Radio, which you may already be connected to. We also have a page called BU Inc., which is the name of our company. It used to be my page, The Self-Aware Parent, and now it's BU Inc. So, um, you know, you can go to either you can go to Facebook and just type those in and they'll show up for you. Or you can share our show, which really is the most effective vehicle for Facebook marketing. It's kind of a numbers thing for me. I know you don't get as into that, but yeah. if you really want to help us out, just share our show when you see us post up the yeah. show. Simple things. It's all these Google Analytics things that kind of make my my head hurt. <laughs> um and what else? Tournament of bad. I can't forget about my tournament. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Tournament of bad. Uh the city of Melrose Park. Yeah. Uh, so we got two tickets. Three. You got two and I got one. Actually, I think you may have gotten all three. No, I didn't. You think so? Who knows? You can't tell. It's a no turn on red Uh-oh. onto Todd's North been Avenue. Thinking for a long time, these are just me. I don't know. I thought you said you were there too. I may have been. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Melrose Park, no turn on red. <laughs> It'd be so funny if it was me all three times. I'm turning because I okay. Anyways, okay. So you turn right because there's no sign that says no turn on right, red. Right. But they got the camera there and they got us or me. And I appealed it. I went there. I took pictures of it. There's no. There's, there's nothing no that says no sign. turn on red. I sent it in because I couldn't get there to appeal in court. And they said, "Sorry, you're guilty." And then, because we didn't get the letter for a long time, you went online they and it. they doubled it. So we had five hundred dollars. Oh my gosh! Two of them were two hundred dollar fines each, and then the one which I paid right away because I know I'm not going to win this appeal was. But why bucks. is that? How is there not a human element to this? Like, if someone, I think were if to, I would have went to court, at least I would have got an explanation. But how I've been to you and I went back there, like you said, you took pictures. I pass by it all the time on North Avenue. There's no sign. So how do you know? That you're not supposed to turn on red. I don't know. That's why we kept turning on red. Oh, We're not was, turning on red anymore. It was pain. Talk about painful to the system. I know. And now Todd and I are like ultra concerned. Yeah, now I don't turn on red anytime. Those cameras, they're so big brother. I know. Because you get, all of a sudden it's all computerized and nobody will talk to you. Turn them in a bad Melrose Park. Thanks a lot, MP. And let's just say the, the not just that town, but the, those cameras. Yeah. Because there's not a lot of, again human element it's it's all he said computer said that's right or um, she said so picture said uh, um kathy you have two books mm-hmm. what are they called self-aware parent part one and part self-aware two? parent one self-aware parent two how would you acquire one of those books you can go to kathycadams.com they're on my website you can also go to amazon.com and they're there um you know just type in the we'll have a link parent. in the show notes and then last uh, i have a men's group that i do every month we actually have a meeting this wednesday and if any of the guys out there who live in the Chicagoland are interested, shoot me an email at comments at zenparentingradio.com or I'll have a link in the show notes too. So 
Um, oh, and then lastly, Avid Company. Lastly. They are our um, painting and remodelers throughout the Chicagoland area, 630-956-1800. And they're going to fix our door, and they're going to do our basement eventually. Eventually. Let's do it soon. We'll see. It's all about the money. <laughs> Cha-ching. It's all so about this money. is Todd Adams saying thank you for tuning in. This is Kathy Adams. I hope you have a great week. Keep those three Ps in mind and focus on the beauty that's all around you instead. And sign up for our treat. But they can't yet because I don't have it up on. They can't sign up. Get get integrated into their brain to sign up. And just be cool, man. Cool. And keep trucking. <laughs> and that's all. Bye-bye. <laughs>